This year, this day, is our spiritual practice. Amen, I guess. I would say. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah, I like it. Hey, I'm so glad that you all were able to make it uh, today, and all of you who are uh, watching on the stream and listening on the podcast, um, we're so glad to have you part of this House of Mercy community. I feel like I'm reading out somebody else's lines. I don't know, they don't sound quite like me, but anyway, it's, it's been a blessing. Um, it's good to see the see the, uh, see the all here. Help me out, Mike. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Help me out, Mike. Yeah. yeah. I'm concentrating on other things. Yeah. All right. But uh, yeah. Where were we? <laughs> I wanted to thank everyone for coming out to the House of Mercy yeah. Lounge last week. What a great way it was a lot of fun. to end the Pudge Drive. Yeah, thank you. We don't quite have the totals yet, and uh, so if there, you still do have not turned in your card, there are cards in the back, and we could, uh, you know, I think maybe include it in the totals. Yeah, we won't stop you if you want to pledge, even yeah. though the Pudge Drive is Absolutely. That's good. Um, but uh, moving on. Uh, next week, a lot of people have been asking about this, uh, it, Condomas is next week. And uh, most of you know Condomas is um, a Prussian holiday, I think, isn't it? No, it's a, it's, it's, uh, a pagan holiday that uh, was then uh, kind of, what do they call it, taken over by the Christians. and Co-opted. Uh, Co-opted, yeah. right. And uh, we all come, people bring candles, bring candles, please. If you don't have a candle, there will be some here. But bring a candle from your home, and we bless the candles, and we light them, and then you take them home, and it's the warmth of uh, God's love and the love of our community to get you through the rest of the winter. So when you light them at home, it's, it's a practice, it's a prayer, and also there's going to be pie. So that'll be fantastic. And, and also, after church on Kalamas, during pie, we're going to make St. Bridget, oh, just Bridget crosses yeah and so yeah it does look a little bit like a pagan symbol but you know i guess you get what you can these days huh <laughs> yeah Phyllis just find some they god take, and they pray. take six yeah. minutes to make which yeah. i'm surprised it's very cool so. and it's like a blessing you uh what is it it's a blessing no. yeah and Sorry. you know i don't even like that word pagan we're just talking about like indigenous no know, i mean religion. i'm i'm kind of using it hyperbolically <laughs> you know pagan big pagan energy you know, yeah. <laughs> Are you guys all thinking, what in the world is he thinking about? This other thing that's got him so messed up. I cannot tell you. Um, oh, and one more thing about Kalamas. Yeah. Kids are making candles in uh, 
the classes today. So yeah, so everyone's welcome that. to go down and make your candle for. Oh. Yeah, this is House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Fear the hearts of men are failing. These are the latter days we know. For dread depression now is spreading. God's word declares it would be so. I'm going where there's no depression. To love Good land, there is no hunger, no orphan children cry for bread, no weeping widows toil and struggle, no shrouds, no coffins, and no death. I'm going where there's no depression to a lovely world of toil and trouble for my home in heaven I'm going there the world's dark midnight hour is nearing the tribulation time will come the storms will break in mighty fury and sweep lost millions to their doom I'm going where there's no depression To a lovely land that's free from care I'll leave this world of toil and trouble For my home in heaven Look up, rejoice, ye holy people Before this awful time you fly For Christ will come as he has promised His bride will meet in the sky I'm going where there's no Would you please join me now in the prayer of invocation? God of mercy, free us to embrace our misapprehensions, to open our fists and to be grateful to find them empty, to open our mouths and to speak and to find what comes out a mystery. Free us with the knowledge that we have never controlled creation, are simply called to be caught up in it.
tumbled and tousled in your presence. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you all. Let's exchange the sign of peace with one another. Our guest artist this afternoon is Michael Morris. Give him a warm host of mercy welcome. I know what you're all thinking. Is that Michael Morris from the Grand Old Grievous Angel Band? One and the same. Um, when I saw that, uh, uh, that the night service was going to uh, be one for a representative of the Grand Old Grievous Angel Band to be the guest artist in, I... Uh, well, we'd already done our our uh, text study in preparation for the hymns, so I was aware of what scripture uh, uh, you're going to hear. So, if is a spoiler warning here, if you don't want a spoiler, stop this video now. Go watch the episode. Just kidding. That was a YouTube joke. If you watch, uh, if you watch like. Mandalorian reviews on YouTube, things like that, uh, that I might do. Um, but so, is it okay if I if I reference what the gospel is? Or is okay. So the the gospel for tonight is, uh, I believe, known as the Beatitudes, and uh, in certain circles. And so I I have these phones with all like most of the songs I've written. And I was like, I gotta have something that fits the blessed are some, like some Beatitudes reference. Apparently I reference the Beatitudes a lot in songwriting. So there's a lot of blessed are the meeks and things like that. And it was just sort of too much and none of the songs really fit exactly right. And then I thought, well, what, what kind of hit me when I was reading the scriptures, uh, the gospel for today? And uh, Blessed Are the Poor in Spirit just kind of hit me different this time. And, um, and it made me think about a thing that's sort of like a, a, a quandary, a conundrum, a point of fascination that's been on my mind a lot lately. Like some people, you know, spend their time like following the Timberwolves or Manchester United or something, and I spend my time thinking about like what Kierkegaard meant in this or that thing, right? And so the poor in spirit thing hit me real weird and it made me think a lot about depression as referenced in the last song. Um, it made me think about this really sort of uh, complicated thing with depression and narcissism. And now I'm not a psychoanalyst, but I do believe there's always a couple of ways to get degrees one is you go to school and you go to a certain amount of therapy. The other one is you be a bartender for a long enough time. I've got the latter of those two, right? So I think about these things, and I think about this thing, and I'll, I'll get to the singing in just one second here. But, but these, it was just heavy songs, and I wanted to sort of give a context. So, uh, and I've heard other guest artists give context. So Mike Schultz did it, so, you know. I always, I always try to follow in the footsteps of the greats. So... Uh, you know how you, we, there's like a saying about like be kind because you don't know what battle somebody's fighting inside, right? 
And um, I was thinking about this complicated thing that everything I've ever learned about um, um, depression, and, and, and it, I'm sure many of us have experienced and we have different feelings about it, but a, a, a doctor I heard explain it with a definition that was something like, being feeling depressed is like feeling like you're a piece of garbage that the world circles around, which is like really, that, that, that seemed, I could relate to that. And then everything I've ever learned about sort of narcissistic personality disorders and stuff is like, well, why are, why do these people behave this way? And everything I've ever heard has been because they have like a trauma or a wound that's so bad that they believe like in simple terms, they're positive that they're a jerk. And then they live their life trying to force you to think they're a jerk so that they can externalize it and say it's coming from outside because they can't stand the thing inside. And I was like, wow. That sounds like depression that's worse than I could ever imagine. And, uh, and I was just like, these people that I feel very free to be like, why are they a jerk? Why are they a bully? Why were they mean to me? Why are they mean to somebody else? I'm like, wow, those are the people that, from what I've learned and what I can like empathize with, are the poor in spirit. And I just read, blessed are they. So it's like, a complicated thing, and so I, I, you know, I know that that you all like to keep up on the, my latest songs. So I thought I would sing one that I wrote a week ago uh, that felt like a little bit of an exploration of this kind of an idea. Um, followed by one that that is a little bit older that will make sense to you, I think, once I sing it after this one. My heart is dark. It's dark as coal, for sin is my disease. I sold my soul to rock and roll. I do what I damn please. I do not have a chance or prayer to ever be redeemed. I swear to God that I do not care I'm all that I need My heart is hard It's freezing cold Cut me and I won't bleed Ice in my veins to numb new pains the sun don't shine on me I do not have a chance or prayer To ever be redeemed I swear to God that I do not care I'm all that I need My heart is broken oh it aches if I start talking truth it pounds all night I sweat and shake for fear that I've found proof that I don't have a chance or to ever be redeemed 
I swear to God that I do not care I'm all that I need I'm all that I need I'm all that I need. This other song was written sort of at the approach of, you know, within days or weeks in advance of the 2020 presidential election, and uh, I thought to myself, when I was done writing it, I was like, oh, um, kind of weird to put effort into a thing that's so like temporal and won't maybe have any point in singing after this week, but... I think as long as, and by the way, the opinions stated by me are not that of the Grand Old Grievous Angel Band necessarily, but um, uh, I, I think I've, I've come to realize that this song might be more evergreen than I would like it to be. Um, it goes like this. I wonder if the president is sleeping well tonight I wonder if the campaign trail will help him see the light The city streets, the country roads, the alt-left, the alt-right I wonder if the president is sleeping well tonight Seems World War III means you and me will have to learn to fight With sticks and stones aimed at jawbones to hush what we don't like If you and me do not agree, then you're wrong and I'm right I wonder if the president is sleeping well tonight The social distancing networks they built up to ignite The algorithmic fireworks and patriotic rights No empathy, humanity, nor mercy, none in sight I wonder if the president is sleeping well tonight are saved, give peace chance, I've heard choirs recite As a chorus, bridge and verse, and as a sacred rite Now peace is passe, pacifists are at best impolite 
I wonder if the president is sleeping well tonight Remember love, remember love is what it takes to sing Remember love, remember love, and so let freedom ring From coastal blue to desert red to purple mountain height I wonder if the president is sleeping well tonight Won't you please join me now in the prayers of community? I'll end each prayer with Lord in your mercy and I invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, we find ourselves in strange times, times of global danger and a kind of profound mundanity. God of both and, shake us awake and grant us peace. Remind us of those beyond our walls, beyond our borders, who need healing, compassion. And help us to practice mercy and compassion for all those with whom we encounter. And most of all, be present to us in a very real way that we might be overcome occasionally with the realization that your love and mercy and peace are boundless, and for us, always. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we pray for those in our lives and those who pass through our lives who are in need of physical, emotional, and physical healing. We pray for those who are fighting illness, for those who are living with cancer. We pray for those we love who are dying. Give them every measure of peace and a palpable love. We pray for those who mourn the death of a dear one. And we pray for those of us with mental illness in this time of magnified isolation, coldness. We pray for those who are facing in these troubled times incarceration, Pray for those who are imprisoned by addiction, for those who are profoundly lonely. For all of this, we ask that you heal them, that you be present to them, that you bless them. Take them in your arms and hold them. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we have not loved you with all that we are. And we've hurt others in our lives with the things that we've done and the things that we've neglected. We ask your forgiveness and our confidence that you hear our confession and judge us with your grace. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we pray that you meet us now in this time of extended silence.
May we continue in the practice of mercy. Amen. Tonight's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Though this seems like a hidden truth in the United States of America, Christianity and capitalism really don't fit together like birds of a feather. You can't even smush them together to make them fit. They don't fit. But their history here in this great country is so entangled. I heard a recording of Oral Roberts on a podcast this week from the 50s, maybe, preaching, thou shalt not think that money is evil. He yells to the people, say it again, everybody in unison, thou shalt not think that money is evil. Then he, or it could have been someone else, the recordings were sort of mashed together, says, the apostles were businessmen, they were rich men, they had plenty of money. Jesus was a wealthy man, had plenty of money. What? I doubt that was all part of some diabolical conspiracy to meld Christianity and capitalism together forever. But this sort of prosperity gospel has played a huge role in creating the spirit of America. You can get rich. You should get rich. Anyone can get rich. The American dream. And the idea that God wants you to be rich has helped create the conditions for capitalism to conquer the world. The scripture for tonight is part of the Sermon on the Mount, the major piece of Christian teaching in the entirety of the Gospels. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit, the meek, the peacemakers. Seems downright un-American. I'm surprised Ron DeSantis hasn't banned the Beatitudes. (laughs) These words would have been heard as subversive in the Roman Empire, which maintained its power by constantly reinforcing how blessed is the emperor. It's he and his elite who are blessed by the gods. The powerful maintain their power through domination, Preserving a strict and exclusive hierarchy. You keep the poor, 
poor in spirit, by treating them like garbage. Blessed are the poor, the meek. They were held in contempt by the powers that be. They weren't seen as victims of an unjust system. They were dumb and crass and unworthy. They got what they deserved. The system depended on maintaining that status quo. This belief in some sort of inherent hierarchy. You don't invest in education or health care or any sort of government program that might improve the welfare of the poor. That would upset the whole system. It seems pretty clear that Jesus doesn't have much regard for that system. But blessed are the poor, it it doesn't seem true. What is Jesus up to? Is he saying words that will make people in terrible situations feel better? Not that that would be useless, because to be called blessed, to be spoken to as if you're loved instead of disregarded and disdained, isn't nothing. But I'm pretty sure Jesus isn't just offering some sort of vaguely dishonest encouragement or trivializing oppression, like saying, don't worry, it's going to be all right, when it's not. I think he's saying something true, something that's in the process of being brought into being. He's not giving instructions, but he's inviting people to see through the illusions that the empire creates so that his followers might live into some sort of deeper or truer happiness. The defense industry, the self-help industry, the commodification of everything that keeps the machine running, capitalism might not weather the transformation that the Sermon on the Mount could inspire. The Roman Empire knew how disruptive what Jesus was saying was, and so they killed him. And then later on, co-opted him. Somehow twisting his whole thing into the same old us and them, and worthy and unworthy, so it could be used to justify making war and doing violence, and maintaining whatever one's personal hierarchy of being happens to be, allowing us to feel our contempt and disdain. That's how the system stays in place. Jesus is calling his followers to a different way of being, a truer way of being, a way of being together in community where those false hierarchies of being dissolve. His invitation isn't to get you to try to grasp some individualistic virtue. It's an invitation to practice in the world in relationship to other people. You could call it a spiritual practice or a physical practice. You could call it practicing being attentive to what is, to the interrelatedness of all that is. It's very different from the quest for power and wealth. Blessed, some translate it, happy are the poor in spirit. James Allison isn't crazy about happy here. He says in our vernacular that sort of implies something like being in a good mood, which doesn't really capture the essence. He likes radiant are the poor in spirit. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not like I understand all this perfectly at all. But for sure, I know when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about a place you go after you die. It's more like this space you may occupy, a space where you must recognize your lack, and then you are able to be filled and live there in the kingdom of God. When you're not full of yourself, you're open. Formed by the empire, we learn to be quite occupied by self. We learn the way to happiness is self-improvement, which very often in the United States of America has to do with the power of positive thinking. That's a gospel people never tire of here. You can get rid of Jesus, but not the power of positive thinking. Norman Vincent Peale, who was Donald Trump's pastor growing up, said people are plagued by feelings of inferiority, by a lack of self-confidence. He said, God doesn't want that for you. That's the thing that's standing in the way of you receiving the abundance God wants for you. It seems like Trump listened to his pastor. He never said anything negative about himself. Everything was always spectacular. He believed in himself. He was not plagued by feelings of inferiority. And he's wealthy and powerful and became the president of the United States. But I actually think Jesus has something better in mind for the community that God's bringing into being. Something truer. It's not about the ability of one individual to rise to the top, but it's about this possibility of recognizing how much we're dependent on each other, and the air, and water, and gravity, and living in the midst of that in a loving and respectful way. So maybe to be poor in spirit is to acknowledge need, dependence. It's really true that we can't survive independently on our own. It's not trying to be anything as much as it's recognizing who you are, what it is to be human. The self does not exist as some separate, enduring thing. All there is, really, is this wonderful, ever-evolving network of interrelationships. Contemplatives sometimes call this interrelatedness emptiness. I don't quite get that. Or they call it openness, which I get a little bit more. Everything's open because it only exists in relationship to other things. The second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I'm embarrassed to admit that. I can't think of this one without the band Nazareth's 1974 song going through my mind. Love Hurts. I'm sorry if I'm putting it in your mind. Surely you know it. It doesn't even really fit if you Google the lyrics. But what is true is that if you love, loss is inevitable. The only way to insulate ourselves from that is to not be vulnerable, which is to not love. The more you love, the more you open yourself to grief. 
not just for your own losses, but all the heartbreak of the world. But practicing being open takes you beyond yourself, allows you to become intertwined in a greater love that holds all things together. Three, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I promise that I'm not going to do lists for the whole rest of the year of spiritual practice, but this text just somehow lent itself to it. So this is how it ended up. I can just imagine the Roman reaction to this one. The meek? Macho was huge with the Romans. Manliness, domination, the ability to dominate was what it was all about. I don't think the American spirit really vibes with the word meek either. Some translations don't use it. It's it's a little hard to translate, apparently. could be Blessed are the kind, the nonviolent, the gentle, the humble. Some people say it means a humility demonstrated in kindness. I like that. Maybe you don't feel that you yourself are in possession of the quality of meekness, and you might actually be proud of that. But can you be kind? Can you listen? Not be aggressive? Probably not always, but probably sometimes. In one of his books, James Allison says, the key feature of the blessedness in these Beatitudes is that it involves living a deliberately chosen and cultivated sort of life, which is not involved in the power and the violence of the world. That's the practice. Must you assert your power over others? Or could you practice something different? Cynthia Bourgeau, a writer, an Episcopal priest, and a teacher of spiritual practice, summarizes this beatitude as, be gentled. Four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness, for they will be filled. A lot of people prefer to translate this one as justice. Desire something better. The Romans had slaves and peasants slaughtered in the Colosseum for their entertainment. The U.S. keeps putting ever more powerful weapons into the hands of people who have learned to bend toward violence, desire something better. Jesus indicates that when you hunger for justice, when that that hunger rises in you, it will be satisfied. This one kind of doesn't seem true. But maybe it's that long arc of history that bends towards justice. Bourgeau says, as we enter the path of transformation, the most valuable thing we have working in our favor is our yearning. Some spiritual teachers will even say that the yearning that you feel for God, for good, for the better, is actually coming from the opposite direction. It is God's, it's the good's, it's the better's yearning for you. It's like the yearning for justice is some sort of universal vibration that connects us. Practice aligning with it. Five, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Bourgeois points out that There's an exchange going on here. We give mercy, 
we receive mercy. The root of the word mercy, this was surprising to me, comes from the old Etruscan merc, which also gives us commerce and merchant. I don't think it means it's about capitalism, but it's about exchange. Mercy isn't God letting us off the hook or something for something bad we've done. It's, it's not something God has so much as it's something that God is, the very nature of divine life. It's like this participation in a dance of giving and receiving, compassion, movement, back and forth, relationship, love. Six, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Allison says, interestingly, and I'm just going to go what he said, with what he says here because I really don't know. He says that the first understanding of this would have been, would have had to do with financial matters. It would have had to do with not trying to fool other people in financial matters. It's not about clean as much as it is about honesty. A lot of people talk about purity of heart as a sort of singleness. Blessed are those whose heart is not divided. Some say it's about practicing non-duality. It's about cleansing the lens of perception so that you don't see bad and good, us and them. Male and female is how Paul puts it. It's seeing, it's realizing the interconnectedness, the indivisibility. Seven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This one seems like the sort of natural consequence of all the others. When we're open, gentle, vulnerable, compassionate, we become peacemakers. Instead of wielding the sword of the binary operator that divides the world into good guys and bad guys and insiders and outsiders, when our field of vision has been unified, we can become peacemakers. Eight. I hope you're not as anxious for me to be done as I am. (laughs) (laughs) Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of Thomas records this beatitude with a slight variation that really helps me, that I like. Blessed are you in the midst of persecution, who when they hate and pursue you, even to the core of your being, cannot find you anywhere. It's like you're free. Instead of being caught up in what people are saying about you, how they treat you, instead of perseverating endlessly on how you're perceived or like, Instead of thinking about how bad they are for the way they think of you, be free. It's an ability to be happy regardless of what others think of you. A lot of people point out how the Beatitudes and what is often called the judgment of the nations passage in Matthew, which comes towards the end of the book, where Jesus puts the sheep on one side of him and the goats on the other, that these are sort of bookends for Jesus' teaching in Matthew. In the sheep and the goats passage, the blessed are not defined in terms of belonging to this or that group or believing in this or that dogma or possessing some quality of goodness in themselves. It's all presented in terms of relationship. 
The ones that Jesus says are with him are the ones who gave the thirsty something to drink, who welcomed the stranger, who cared for the sick. If they cared for other people, they're among the blessed. The people Jesus calls sheep aren't aware of having been sheep, of having practiced the way of Christ or something. They just seem to have understood need, whether or not they knew anything about Jesus. They are the ones who somehow found their way out of or were pulled out of the self-deception of the empire. That it's all about you. That it's about wealth and power. The happiness that comes out of this reorientation isn't money and power, obviously. But it's this way of being together that creates the possibility of loving community. I think that's why we keep this church going, why we keep making the house of mercy, in spite of how embarrassing the church is in the United States of America. It seems worthwhile to practice living in love, receiving, giving mercy, opening drinking the brokenness that we share.